Okay, we're going to start with the set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God, the steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your spiritual truth. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me, the sinner. Help me to carry your message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we have a couple new people here tonight, and um, we go through the book, and we've covered, I don't know when we start over, probably in May or June or something. No, longer than that. We're on, we've covered from the beginning, and we're now on step three. Um, I don't know how new or old you guys are in recovery, but everything up to page 58 is steps one and two in the big book. And step one is that we have to first realize we're an alcoholic and what that means. Uh, I'll briefly review that, is that okay? It means that I have an allergy to alcohol and I can't put it in my body without taking another drink. Anybody have that problem? So I can't take one drink, but I have another problem, is that sober I can't live so that my mind won't tell me that I need a drink. And so I have a hopeless condition of mind and body. But it's seemingly because we have a, a program of recovery so that with God, he can give me the power to have choice over drink. And then if I have choice over drink, I won't have to worry about the allergy. And the reason I need God is because what I really have is a spiritual illness. I've lived a, a self-centered life separated from God trying to manage the world so I'd be okay. I didn't know that, but that's what I was doing. And when you do that, you run the world, uh, you find that it doesn't go the way you want. Anybody have that problem? And you get irritated, and you get restless, you're just discontented, and you get full of fear. Anybody ever have fear? And you get resentful, and you make bad decisions. I made some bad decisions. I, I'm not alone, was I? And so when you do that, and you're running the world, and you're separated from God, you don't like the way you feel. And then I learned at an early age in my drinking that if I didn't like the way I felt, alcohol would change that. And so at a certain point, my mind would say, you need a drink. And then when my mind said, you need a drink, I couldn't say no to it. I had no power to do that. And then that would start the cycle. It's, it can be the same with drugs, if drugs are your choice. You just start the cycle, and then your mind says, sober or clean, I need to use or drink again. Because we're living a life where uh, it just doesn't work. Our emotions build up, and our mind says, give me a release. The doctor and doctor's opinion said, we seek the ease and comfort of alcohol. We're irritable, restless, and discontented. And I want something to change my perception of reality at the moment so I feel OK. Does that make sense? And then if you have that, you're in deep trouble because you can't live sober and you can't stop using and drinking. And, but it's, uh, it's a seemingly hopeless condition because they had a treatment plan outlined in the book that they took in 1939 and it gave them a power to live and it gave them the power of choice and a design for living that works. I was listening today, I studied scripture. I was listening to the end of Luke, just finished studying, and 
the point is that when uh, that man died, I believe he was the Lord, but you don't have to, there were only uh, eight or nine people that saw him. And then when he came back before he was went up, there were about 100 people there when the Holy Spirit came, 100 people. And look at what's happened today in the world, how many people have been exposed to that. In AA in the beginning, I was thinking there were only, what, 60 or 70 people sober when they wrote this book and how many people have recovered. Not as many as we would like because it's a low recovery rate, but it works if you do this, then you, you'll have a power to live. And the second step is just that I'm willing to believe that my life is, I'm powerless over alcohol and my life is unmanageable by me and that there is a power that can help me. And I know there's a power that can help me because I saw it in the rooms. And, and uh, I'll tell you if, if you want to hear my tragic tale of woe, nobody does, but it's a miracle that I'm here today. It's all God. And I believe that God can do that for me, and he has. So uh, then we get to page 60, which is read at every meeting, 58 to 60, which is the, what I call the preamble of AA, how it works preamble. And, it gives outlines the 12 steps. It outlines the program of action. We have a program of recovery. We have a fellowship, but we only have one program in AA. And then it says at the end of, uh, Tava read it tonight on page 60, that we're alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. And we have to be convinced of that. If you're new, you have to be convinced that you're alcoholic and you can't manage your own life. And you have to believe that no human power can relieve your alcoholism. Not keep you from drinking, but relieve your alcoholism. You're living sober, separated from God. No human power can do it. Group therapy can't do it. Chanting, meditation. You go to a thousand meetings in a thousand days, but unless you find a relationship with God that works, eventually you'll drink again. The book says it's clear, and I know from my own experience and others, that certain times the alcoholic cannot recall the hopelessness and futile condition of their life and what happens when they drink, it says on page 24, can't bring into our consciousness the humiliation defeat of even a moment ago. Eight in the morning, we're completely defeated. Five o'clock, we're getting a drink. We, we, at we have no defense against the first drink. If you're an addict, you have no defense against the first pill. And so when you realize that, you're desperate. It's, you're clear, you're alcoholic, you can't manage your own life, and no human power can relieve that condition that God can and would, or could and would if he were sought. And what can and would he do? He'll give us a power to live, and he'll give me a power of choice. I've been sober a long time, but I have no power not to drink today. The only power I have today is to choose to seek the power that gives me choice. I have no choice to drink today on my own. If I get away from this, my relationship with God, I'll drink. Now, knowing that won't keep me from separating from God and not doing this and drinking. What keeps me doing it is that I know this works and I like my relationship with God. I like the way I live today and I like going to Him when I don't feel well instead of going to the bar or getting a drug. And so it says, if you, then you're ready for step three, which is where you're making a decision 
to move out of this world where your life is a complete mess into a world where God's in charge and he gives you the power of choice, he gives you a desire for living. And if you're ready to do that, you're gonna make a decision in step three. That's all you're gonna do. And then steps four through nine outline from page 63 to 88 to 84, show you how to get out of that world into a world of the spirit where God's in charge. And then you have, uh, God puts you in a position neutrality regarding alcohol. So you only have to do from 63 to 84 is it that many pages. You do everything in there. It's not complicated. I can't get anybody to do it. Very few people to do it. But look, that's all it takes. You can hold it up. If you do everything in the instruction steps four, five, six, seven, and eight, and nine, then you'll have a power. And they say if you keep doing everything on pages 84 to 88 the rest of your life, you'll never drink and your life will be so much better. And I can, I can testify to that and others can as well. That's kind of an overall thing. This is a treasure map to God. And then on pages 60 to uh, 62, they talk, describe what it's like to live a life run on self-will. Because it says the first requirement for step three is I be convinced of the page 60 that a life run on self-will can hardly be success. Are you convinced of that? Think about it. And, and then they tell you what it's like. We're arranging the show where the actor directing the world when that's the director's job, um, the things we try to do to get our way, uh, never works, it's never gonna work. And then on page 62, they finally tell us what our problem is. It's not alcohol or drugs, it's selfishness, self-centeredness. That's the root of my problem. It can be the root of my problem today. I'm never completely over my self-centeredness. It's always there, but I have tools now by doing the directions of this book that when I get self-centered and I start to get in the fear or worry or angry or starting to make a bad decision, I can stop now and I can say, no, God changed the way I see things. So the, the, the idea about these steps is that whenever I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. How do I get undisturbed? So how can I get my rope back to God? And then God gives me the power over alcohol. So it says selfishness, self-centeredness, that's the root of my trouble. And I was never in control of my life. My life was driven by my fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. And then I stepped on the toes of my fellows and they retaliated. People got upset with me. Anything that, any of that happened to you? Sometimes they hurt me seemingly without provocation. It's seemingly to me, but they were, I provoked them. But invariably I find that sometime in the past I've made decisions based on self, which later placed me in a position to be hurt. That's the key line, one of the key lines in the book. At some time I made decisions based on what I wanted to, to make my life be what I needed and I put me in a position to hurt and I hurt other people, I hurt people I loved. If you're a real alcoholic, that's a true statement for you. So when you do your fourth step and you look back at your life and you see the bad decisions, you weren't a bad person. You just had the wrong manager. And when I managed a life, my life, it triggered all my character defects. 
So the key theme of these pages, 6063, is fire yourself. You have to fire yourself. You can't be a management anymore. Management is not, is God. I, and somebody said he's died now, but he used to come to our meeting years ago. And he said, uh, why is a management question? We're just, God's in charge. And so it says, my troubles are basically of my own making. I cause my troubles. I make God myself the wristband. I brought myself here, not any other person. Now, when I came in, I didn't know that. I had a list of people that brought me here. They were really, they were pretty bad. But then as I did my, spent my time and did my step, I realized that they weren't as bad as I thought they were. And I was worse than I thought I was. And that I got myself here and I made my own troubles. And they, and that's a key line because in AA what I'm trying to do is change me, not them. And change me, and I can do that with this, with God's help. I can change my personality from self-centered to God-centered. I can't change anybody else. We try, but it doesn't, it just doesn't work. And they say, my troubles arise out of myself, and the alcohol is an extreme, uh, extreme example of self-will run riot. Now, self-will is bad, but running riot is really bad. What do they mean by that? We're running around like uh, ping pong balls in a ping pong game, trying to get our way, trying to manage the world, manage relationships, manage work, manage money, get this and that, and it, it never works. And we're an extreme example of it. Now, I'm, I have Bible study tomorrow. I know they're not listening, but there are six guys. Uh, two or three of them could really use the steps. And uh, because they, uh, they have some self-will, but uh, uh, we're not going to go there. But you see, they're not alcoholic. And so they're not dying, or addicts, they're not dying of this disease. They're just upset and angry people. And so this program is for everybody because we all have self-will and we all try to live on self-will. And if you study scripture, we always have this battle between the spirit and the flesh. But we have tools now, and this was designed by people who were Christians in the beginning, the Oxford group, to try to live a life where they could practice the principles uh, that Christ laid out for them because it's hard to do, isn't it? Um, anybody get disturbed today at all? No? No, all right, there are no alcoholics in here. Uh, nothing bothered you, driving, store, work, nobody. Yeah, Chris, you bothered me when you called me. Uh, we're not talking about major, major traumas, just irritated, get a little irritated, see somebody, they irritate you there. And so, uh, uh, we have to be rid of this uh, self-will of everything. It says we must be rid of it, the selfishness, or it's going to kill me. And it, it, it might not kill me physically. It takes a long time to dry, die from uh, alcohol uh, cirrhosis and all, but it doesn't take that long if you mix alcohol and drugs and nowadays. And, of course, my son died, what, 15 years ago, and that's why I started this meeting. He died of drugs in his car. But we die spiritually. We don't have any peace. And, and we're in conflict with everybody and everything. And our lives, we don't feel good. 
Can anybody relate to that? And, that? and then if we don't feel good, if we're in conflict with everybody and everything, then guess what? We use, we drink. And so we don't want to live that way anymore. We're going to live a different way. And it says we must be rid of it or it kills us. And it says God makes that possible. I, I truly believe that. Without God, there's no hope for me. And we, some people read these promises at every meeting. You've heard them at some meetings. It says, God can do for me what I cannot do for myself. I can't manage my life. God can manage it. God can keep me from drinking today. Mark got upset at the Chiefs game the first quarter. I just fast-forwarded it. <laughs> you see, he hasn't learned yet. You can't watch it in real time. It's too disturbing. So you have to watch it behind so you can so you can fast forward it so you're not disturbed. See, I learned that. It's in here. It's in this book. All right. He he got a he got a kick out of that. I, I'm sure the people in the podcast have turned it off by now. Um, and it says, stop it. We can't get rid of self without God's aid. I can't wish it away. I have to have God's help. And then it says the how and why of it. Here's the how and why of the whole deal. I have to quit playing God. It doesn't work. Bottom of page 62. You know why it didn't work? Anybody know why it didn't work? Because we're not God. And God's job is to run the world, not me. And I still try to run the world. Does anybody else try to do that? And it just doesn't work. I try to run my wife's world. I tried that a little bit today unconsciously because I'm good at it and it didn't work. I think I'm pretty funny tonight. So next we decided hereafter in this drama of life, the drama of life is my mind, my thinking. And I'm going to decide that God's going to be my director. It's pretty simple. So God's my employer. I work for God now. And, and so I go to work and people get upset about the hospital or this and that. I was a doctor. I said, well, I don't work for them. I work for God. And they say, yeah, that works. Let's work for God. And what's God's, God's plan for me to be of service to him and his, his children? So let's just take care of these people and not worry about them over there. Does that make sense? And so this is the keystone of this arch I'm building to be free from self-centeredness is the keystone that holds the arch together is this idea that God's going to be my director. Now on the top of page 63, and I'm just going to cover a couple of these next two paragraphs. It says, when I sincerely took such a position, sincerely take a position that God's going to be my director. Now that's the position I want to take all the time. Now I don't always do that. Sometimes I'll start uh, managing and I have to stop. And I know that, but this is in the beginning. You're new, you're reading this book for the first time. All sorts of remarkable things follow when you just sincerely decide that you want to give your life to God. I had a new employer. And guess what? It was not me. I don't work for me anymore. I work for God. What I want doesn't matter. It's what God wants for me. So here's the deal. Here's the contract with God in the... In the page 63. God's all-powerful. Does everybody agree with that? He's going to provide what I need. So I'm going to sign a contract with God. I have new people put the date. 
and they put a line on their book, in the front, and they put God and they put me. And God is going to give me everything I need. And that's a good deal. Now, it's not what I think I need. It's what he thinks I'm going to need spiritually to deal with anything. And here's what I have to do. I have to stay close to him, and I have to perform his work well. So how do I stay close to God? Through doing the work in the steps. And what's his work? And he is, what's, what's God's work? God's work is for me to be loving, patient, kind, tolerant, considerate, compassionate to everybody, to be of service to him and his children, to be love and tolerant. That's our code in AA. So if I stay close to him and I don't know how to stay close to him, that's my problem. So steps four through nine and 10, 11 tell us how to live and stay close to God. When I came in, we're all paper clips when we come in. And God's a magnet. And God has the power for me. But I'm way out here when I come in. And I'm in this other world. Now, it was such a mess that I decided I wanted to move my paperclip closer to the magnet. That's my decision, step three. Then as I do steps four through nine, I start getting power. I'm getting closer. I'm not drinking. I'm not using. I'm starting to learn tools to live. And then as I get into step 10, I'm in this area where the magnet has power over me. And I could still try to pull away every day. But if I stay close to him and, and do six and seven every day and ask him whenever I'm disturbed to help me, it says on page 84, we watch for selfishness, society, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, I ask God at once to remove them. We learn tools to stay close to the magnet. And if I do that, it says I'm in a position of neutrality towards alcohol or drugs, and I'm not in conflict with everybody and everything. Now, to stay close to the magnet, the paperclip, I have to stay in fit spiritual condition. And so I have to do these actions to stay in this fit spiritual condition so I have the power from God. So that's the contract. Now, th there's a bonus to the contract. He gives me everything I need. I have to stay close to him and do his work well. But the bonus is God has worry. So whenever I'm worrying about anything or have fear of anything, I'm doing God's job. Because the only reason I have that worry and fear is because I'm running the world. Since I run the world, I'm afraid I won't get what I want. It says, established on such a footing, I become less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, I become interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. So I'm starting to change already when I'm established on this footing where I work for God, I want to stay close to him and do his work well. I'm less interested in myself, and I'm trying to see what I can contribute to life. It says, as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and hereafter we're reborn. This is the starting of our spiritual change. So just this decision and this sincere desire to do this, I feel a new power. And I'm getting some peace of mind. And I'm going to see how I can face life successfully. Isn't that great promises? And I become conscious of his presence. I'm conscious of this power of God starting to work in my life. And I begin to lose my fear. 
and we're reborn. You know, he talks about in John, we have to be reborn. And we have to be reborn so that we're not in our old self. We're living in a new world where God's the center of our world. So it says we're now at step three. And we're always, always at step three all day long. See, some people say the third step prayer on their knees, and I do that with new people. But we have to, we have to live steps one, two, and three every day. And in the morning, it says before I get out of bed, I ask God to direct my thinking, divorcing it from selfish, self-seeking motives. That's what it says, page 85, 86, when we begin our day. Before we start thinking of ourselves, we do the prayer. Do it constantly. And so now we're at step three. We're ready to, to make this decision. Now, if you skip down, it says, uh, at the end of the paragraph, it says, we thought well before taking this step making sure we were ready that I could at least last abandon myself utterly to him. Now, I don't know if when I first did the third step if I was ready to give myself utterly to him, but I was certainly ready to give it, give everything up that I knew about. And so I wanna, I wanna make this step with complete abandon and with the desperation that I don't wanna live anymore like I was. So the prayer is, you can say any prayer you want. You don't have to say this one. Uh, when I went to uh, Dr. Bob's house, he had a prayer that he would say with people. At uh, They had a room upstairs. This was uh, early on in AA, 1935, 36. And they would read, they would say the prayer with him. And they would make sure that this person was really ready to abandon themselves before you could even go to the meeting. And he had a prayer, and I remember doing it. This was a week before my son died. My daughter lived in Cleveland, and I drove down to Akron to go to Dr. Bob's house. And she went with me, and we went upstairs to the room, and we read the card, and I kind of cried. It's very emotional. Mark's been there. It really is. This is, you know, it's, it's a real place. These are real people. And uh, I didn't know the guy was preparing me to be able to deal with Curtis's death. So it's God I offer myself to thee. And, and I've heard people in AA, you know how alcoholics are, they don't, like the, they don't like the language, they don't like the these. I said, you're dying, you're dying, and you don't like the way the prayer is worded. Does that sound like alcoholism? No? Um, anyway, they don't like the language. I said, it doesn't matter. Do you want to give yourself to God? God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. So I want, I want him to just deal with me. He's in charge. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I need that all the time. And it, notice, relieve me. He's going to relieve me of the bondage. I'm in bondage like I'm in chains to myself. And why do I want to do that? So I can do his will. Not so I'll get what I want so I can do his will. Take away my difficulties. And they can be situations anything which is, I see as a problem, take it away. The victory over them, every situation, that I may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And I know that's true because when uh, Curtis died and they called me that morning from the hospital, I saw the line on page 66, no, 67, and it says, 
Now my book's falling apart. 68, there you go, I'm getting old. And I, I saw this line because I'd been doing, studying the book. It says, I'm in the world to play the role God assigns, just to the extent that I do as I think he would have me. So just as long as I do what he would have me, and I humbly rely on him, does he enable me to match calamity with serenity? Now think about that. So if you just play the role he assigns, to the extent that I do as he would have me and humbly rely on him, understanding I have no power, he gives us, uh, we're able to match calamity with serenity. That's a great promise and I know it's true. And so it says, uh, to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, my do thy will always. And then we thought well before taking the step, making sure we're ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. And of course, we can't really do that all the time, but we want to give myself up to God when I'm starting to get back in self. I don't want to get too, my paper clip too far from the magnet. And you learn how to do that when you start in step four. You learn how to deal with anger and fear and shame and guilt in relationships. You learn prayers for anger, free of anger, free of fear. Uh, learn a sane sex ideal, a sane way of relationships. And then in step six and seven, you learn when you do step four, your character defects and how whenever you're disturbed, your character is not yours, is yours and it's not God. And we have these cards, Mark, you could pass that around. It's on the site, experiencethebigbook.org. And we have these cards that the left-hand side is the characteristic of a self-centered person, and the right is the character of God. And I want to practice God's character, not mine. Is that the one that has the site on the back? This one? No, that one. Yeah, and the small one on the back is the site. And so um, we'll pick up with uh, and start step four on uh, Saturday at 9.15. Thank you, guys.